0: Welcome to the Sunday Sermons Podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayers that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Father, thank you so much, O Lord, for this time that we can be together to worship you, to um, let you know that you truly are the only one that we need. There is nothing else. When we put you first, O Lord, everything else just comes together. I pray, O Lord, for this time when John brings the message, O Lord, bless him with your presence. Fill us all with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for telling me now. Finally, can you hear me now? Do I need to start over or are we okay? Okay, all right, here we go. Let's try this one more time. So, (laughs) I'll try not to get discouraged. He knows that if he can discourage us, he can get us weak He he can't actually take our power away. He can't take the Holy Spirit out of us. But if he can get us to focus on the things that depress us and discourage us, he can get us out of practice and he can get us weak. And if he can get us disconnected from the rest of the body, the rest of the body has to compensate and we're in real danger. This happens even just, anybody ever had part of your body just go to sleep? Your hand or, that happens to me in the middle of the night. I'm trying to turn over and it's like, what in the world? Or you sit down too long and your one leg's asleep and it's just like, ah. And in that moment, you kind of want to cut it off because it's just so tingly and weird and useless. But man, amputation is a whole nother level. And when that happens, the rest of your life, the whole body has to compensate in ways it was never designed to do that. And what happens to the part you cut off? It dies. That is scary, y'all. That is the fear. That is why the devil loves to try these arrows all the time. But the antidote is simple. The antidote is that we were designed to work together and we can because his Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. And we are the body of Christ. Let's say that out loud together. We are the body of Christ. Sorry, slide people, let's go back one more. I want to read this one scripture to you before we go any further. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. <clears throat> Excuse me. To live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Last week we did something fun, we kind of sang uh, a chord. How many were here last week and we tried this? Kind of illustrates how harmony works. We're going to try something similar this time. I don't have a whole lot of time to make this really elaborate, so jump in and pay attention. When I hold up one finger, I need you guys to snap your fingers like this. If we can't snap, just pretend or make whatever little noise your fingers will make. It'll work. It's okay. So here we go. One. Good. Good. okay? Second one, when I hold up two fingers, I need you to rub your hands together like this. By the way, I didn't make this up. I saw this at a, as a rich, several Rich Mullins concerts back in the day, and it was really meaningful to me, okay? Third, when I hold up three fingers, what I need you to do is kind of clap quietly like this. Excellent. And when I hold up four, I need you to slap your knees like this, all right? So wherever you are, I'm going to kind of just point with both hands, just kind of just see what happens. Ready? Here we go. No, that's just them. we're we're coming. We're coming. I'm going to move around. We're going to direct traffic here. You ready? Here we go. are Christ works. I had to put this kind of metaphor just about everywhere. So one more time, let's say it together. We are the body of Christ. And these are some scriptures that I hope that you keep looking at. They're in your bulletin insert again. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4 and also 1 Peter chapter 4. This is the first verse. You guys are going to see all four of the ones I'm about to read to you right now up on the screen. But first, Uh, T.D. Jakes, Bishop T.G. Jakes, said something really powerful that I heard this week, and I'd love to share this with you. He said, the road to connectivity starts with what connects you rather than what divides you. The road to connectivity starts with what connects you rather than what divides you. And this is a mistake that we tend to make a lot in that when we feel divided from someone, we feel like step one needs to straighten them out. Step one is we need to get them to agree with us on that issue. Somehow we need to fix that one issue. That's the first priority. And honestly, that that usually is the least effective way. Most of the time, no matter how much we disagree on how to solve a problem, most of us deep down have a lot more in common than we think we do. Especially if we are Christians. And if we start with that and we build out from there, a lot of times that's the only hope of actually figuring out a strategy that we could all agree on. Does that make sense? I just think that's such a beautiful thing. I wanted to share that with you. Peter writes this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as if God himself was speaking through you. Now, a lot of these gifts, we're going to walk through them all today. A lot of these gifts have to do with speaking. This isn't just one gift. There's no just one gift of speaking. A lot of them involve speaking. And what he's saying is every single one of those, that is God commanding you to do that. That is God gifting you to do that. And his his spirit flowing through you that actually gives you the strength and the power to do that thing he gifted you to do. So if your gift involves speaking, speak as if God is flowing through you because he is. He goes on. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Almost all the rest of these gifts, including the ones about speaking, almost all of them have to do with helping others in one way or another or helping the world in one way or another. This applies. Again, he's asking us to do that. He's gifting us to do that. His Holy Spirit in us is empowering us to do that. So serve in that way. Help others in that way. Then, Peter says, when we do it like that, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. If you remember a couple weeks ago, I, I told you that those little doxologies are all throughout the scripture. And that's, again, one of those I was referring to. But let's say this together, if you would. The senses keep us connected. One more time. The senses keep us connected. And I, I, I hold these categories that we're using, they, they help you make sense of this. I don't want you to get hung up on them. You can be in all three at the same time, okay? The Holy Spirit didn't come up with these categories. I think, I, I hope he helped me. But the Holy Spirit can give any of these gifts to anybody he wants, Okay, that's that. These are just to help us understand. And so the senses ones, they, they function the way our physical senses function. And here, here's what I mean by that. Our physical senses are what connects us to what's real. And they connect us to other people and they connect us to God. If we didn't have our senses, no matter what beautiful things were happening around us, whatever beautiful music was playing, whatever beautiful sounds, whatever loving, wonderful things people were doing to us, touching us as they served us, whatever, we would be completely unaware of that without our senses. And anyone who has any kind of an impairment in those, if they can't hear, they can't see, they're missing something. My heart breaks for that. I can't imagine going through life not hearing music or things like that. I, I just it, 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 it's, it hurts and it, it's got to be so hard. But these gifts, they function like the senses of the body of Christ because they help us be aware of what's really going on around us. And they help us be aware of God and what God's doing and what each other are doing and what's really going on in our own hearts. These gifts function like the senses. So again, you can be in all these categories at once, but we're, we're, this is just to help make sense of how these work. Is this making sense so far? We, we got this? Okay, so here we go. The gift of prophecy is the first one of these. And prophecy is all about communicating God's heart. If you look at the prophets in the Old Testament... They're not so much about what's right and wrong and, and just those kind of things like some of the other books in the Old Testament are. They're all about God's emotions and how he feels, his passion for his people, his love for his people, his anger and his, the pain that he goes through when they reject him and the promises he makes to them and the, the punishment he gives to them. And it's, you sense the person of God, the heart of God. Sometimes the gift of prophecy can include predicting the future, but that's really not what it is. A lot of times we hear that word and we think predicting the future, and that's really not the point of prophecy. Whenever you see some of the prophets predicting the future, it's God saying, listen, this is going to happen, but I need you to remember this is who I am when this happens. I need you to know this is why I'm doing this. I need you to know this is how you could get out of it if you want to. It's God still revealing his heart. So if you notice in the bulletin at this point, there is a list that has kind of a checklist this time of each one of these gifts and the definitions you'll see on the screen. And I'd love for you to get those out and kind of as as you do this, try to think, is that one me? Does that sound like me? Does that kind of make make sound? And and also, as you do that, if you want, if some just, you, you don't have to be thinking about everybody else the whole time. But if one, some just jumps out and you're like, dude, that's that person. Write that down and encourage them with that later. Okay? I want this to be as absolutely practical as possible. But prophecy is communicating God's heart. Then there's wisdom. Wisdom is applying timeless truth to everyday life. Wisdom is where we take something that we all know, we all understand at some point and believe, but we actually apply it. We get something done. Here, here's an example. How many have heard the story of Jesus calming the storm? He's asleep in a boat and his disciples are all scared. Most of you heard that. Awesome. So here's what happens. That, that's, Jesus is asleep in the boat. Everybody knows he's with them. Okay. They don't even need faith for that. They see him there. Him laying there in the stern of the boat is what's making them mad and even more discouraged and even more upset because he's sleeping through this whole thing. They know he's there. But somebody, we don't even know his name, one of them had the gift of wisdom because he goes, hey, he's here. Let's ask him for help. D- do you see what, they, I mean, his, they are, oh, well, Jesus is still here, but we're panicked. Jesus is here. Let's ask him for help. That's wisdom, okay? That's how that works. These are the people that constantly go, oh, well, let's try this. Then there's special knowledge. And I wish I could tell you the whole story, but I couldn't get it any shorter than what I'm about to make it. But I experienced this here at Morrison Hill and it meant so much to me. So I got to give you a little tiny bit of a backstory. If you want to know the whole thing, come talk to me later. But I give you just enough so you can see why when someone used this gift for me, it meant so much. About four years ago, uh, I was seeking God and fasting and praying and just really looking for direction. And I felt like God spoke to me two words, no fear. And the more I pressed into that and studied and talked to other people and listened more and fasted more, the more I realized that what God was asking me to do was for the next season of my life to ask every time I made any choices at all to ask, am I doing this out of fear? And if I was making it out of fear, I was not allowed to do that thing. And when I first got that, when I first, I, I, I had the clarity. I was like, okay, I think that's really from God. I'm going to try this. I need to do this. I thought it would be easy. Because anybody that knows me, I, I don't seem like a big fearful pe- person. That's not kind of my nature in general. My boys make fun of me because I love to kill ber- uh, kill, not birds. Where did that come from? Kill bugs, kill bugs with my hands, spiders and stuff. And I'll just, there, that's enough of that spider. And they're like, oh, don't do that. So I was like, hey, this is going to be easy. But the more I went through this process of daily, sometimes multiple times each day, asking, hmm, is this out of fear? I realized I did a lot of stuff out of fear in my personal life, my relationships, the way I did ministry, a lot of the choices. They weren't necessarily bad choices, but they were motivated by fear and having to not make those until I made them for other reasons. It really rocked my world. And set up a whole bunch of other things that God was able to do in my life, in the life of the church. Fast forward to about a year ago. Things were actually going pretty well, but they weren't going as well as I really thought they should be at the time. And I was honestly very discouraged And feeling really disconnected from the power of God. And just like this can't be the way he was imagining it. Okay, We're all vulnerable to this. And some people from the church came to pray for me. Some of the prayer team that prays here on Tuesday. And they're always standing back there at the end of a service. uh, They came to pray for me in my office. They just volunteered. And they prayed for me. And that in and of itself was really meaningful and helpful to me. But then as they were leaving, one of them says, hold on just a second. I think God has a, a word for you. And I was like, oh, really? he goes yeah he goes this doesn't make any sense he very humbly and honestly he goes this doesn't make any sense to me so if this isn't that makes sense to you then it's probably my fault not God's but I really think I just heard from God and I said okay and he said um God wants to tell you remember no fear and let me tell you what that rocked my world it reset everything. In that moment, those two words from somebody who didn't, weren't even 100% sure it was God, but thought it was, God's special knowledge to that man, it just reset everything for me. And that's what this can look like. And so it, that, that sometimes can happen with almost anybody, but there are some people who God tends to do that more with. So if that's ever happened to you, maybe you can check that box. Are we still tracking? Is this making, making sense? Okay, I want to make sure everybody understands how these work because somewhere, all of you fit into this somewhere and so does everybody else. The Holy Spirit makes sure that every group of people that identify themselves as the body of Christ has all of these in some measure somewhere. So here we go. Next we come to mercy. And mercy is strategically offering more chances. This is something that we all have to do. But most of us do this grudgingly a little bit if we're honest. <laughs> it's true. Okay, we're like, okay, I'm going to give you another chance because you might get it right this time. Mercy are the people who go, I'm going to give you another chance because you might get it right this time. They actually find joy in it. They actually like, oh, we're going to give them one more chance. Everybody, let's give them one more chance. Here we go. Okay, that might be you and God bless you. We need you guys on the team. Discerning discerning is where we they are the people who reveal what is objectively true what is objectively true here's how the gift of discernment sometimes works and honestly these people and I'm I'm one of them sometimes I have this gift on some level okay they can be kind of irritating because when everybody else is all fired up about this thing they're going "Mm, yeah that's true that's true that that isn't that's not true. Here, let me show you that in the Bible. And, and then everybody's fired up over here and they're going, but this and this and this. And they're going, eh, yeah, but also this. And, and that's actually really wrong. And, and they're going, but those people, listen what they're saying, this is such a lie. Yes, that is, wow. But this other thing they're saying is actually true. Have you thought about that? Maybe we need to hear that. Maybe that's you. Maybe you know exactly who I'm talking about at this moment. You can check that out. But that's how discernment works. They are always seeing something on a deeper level than everybody else. It's very hard for them to get caught up in stuff. And then there is tongues and interpreting. Now, tongues is a very personal thing, a very intimate connection with God. And interpretation is always paired with it, always in Scripture, whenever it has to do with more than one person in the room. There's a lot of controversy about this one. So as always here at Morrison Hill, we always, our strategy is not to just try to get you to see things our way theologically, but to send you back to the scriptures and let you see exactly what the scriptures say and then build build our stuff on that, okay? And I don't know what all backgrounds you guys come from, but I know that in the global church of God, that God's church, that there are people who are raised that tongues and interpretation is done, it's over. It's, it's, it's first century only. It's done. Absolutely. And if you see it, it's not real. It's fake. And all the way on the other side, there are people who believe, oh, no, no, no. This is for, it's not only real and happening today, it's for everybody. And if you don't speak in tongues, you might not actually even know Jesus. And then there's a bunch of other people in between. Those are the extremes. What I'd like to, to do, this is in, these scriptures are in the handout. I'd love to challenge you to do some reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, which is passages we're marinating in at this point, that's the only spot in the whole Bible that actually talks about this idea of of praying in tongues or that kind of thing at all. It it mentions it at all. And I'm not even going to really comment on it at this point. I'm just urging you to read all three of those as a set, the way they're designed to be, and just see what, what Paul was saying to the people who were experiencing this, Okay. Uh, These other scriptures, I just want to be honest with you, they're also in there as well. They're in your handout. Romans 8, 26 and Jude 20. And there are several other scriptures that talk about praying in the spirit. And depending on where you are theologically on the idea of tongues, the people who experience this all the time, they see all of those verses having to do with tongues because that's how they experience it. And I'm not going to even comment on whether that's true or not right now. What I'm going to tell you is that whether that's true or not, the core idea of praying in the Spirit is what we spent the whole summer talking about. You're praying in conjunction with the Spirit. You're realigning yourself with the Spirit. You are doing that. And so the people who do experience tongues, that's why those are, those are connected to that. That's how they do that. But everybody else, they're like, I have no idea what you guys are up to right now. Okay. But you can pray in the Spirit without praying in tongues. Does that, make, does that make sense? Okay. And then uh, you've got three others. All of these are written down in your, in your handouts. They're online and everywhere else. But in Acts 2, you've got speaking in tongues and a whole nother thing. And I wish God did this all the time because, man, it would make missions a lot easier. But that particular time has nothing to do with the prayer languages and stuff that people talk about. That was the apostles instantly being able to speak every single actual language that was present on the day of Pentecost. So Peter's preaching his sermon and all of them are interpreting in at least 10 other languages at the same time. And they didn't speak those languages before that day. Man, I wish the Holy Spirit would do that more often. But that is what's happening in Acts 10. And then depending on your theology about all the rest of this stuff, Acts, I'm sorry, Acts 2, Acts 10 and Acts 19 could be either one of those or maybe both, depending on your theology. But the ones you need to know for sure, if you want to know about that gift, before I comment on that anymore, we'll come back to it next week, but I want you to read 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. Can you do that? All right, we're going to move on. Here we go. Here's the other thing, and this is for all the gifts. We're going to keep on going through these, but this always applies, always, to every single one of them. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts so you can expect them to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If people are doing anything at all in the name of God and what it's actually causing is envy and discord and jealousy and divisions and all the other things that this passage lists as the things from our sinful nature, it's probably not the Holy Spirit motivating them. And even if you're a little bit confused and you don't understand what's going on or you're irritated by that discerning person or whatever else, if you see the real thing happening out of that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that's what's happening out of the use of these gifts, there's a really good chance that's the Holy Spirit. Is that, do you understand? It's really that simple, and that's, that's with all of these gifts. So we're going to keep on moving. I need you to say this out loud with me. Here we go. The core empowers the whole body to serve. One more time. The core empowers the whole body to serve. And again, you can have gifts in all these categories. These are just to help us make sense. But your body core is your heart, your lungs, your organs, your abs, your back. You know what I'm saying? This what supports everything else. And these gifts are the ones that support and guide everything else. They connect everything else. They fuel what's going on. So that's why we're calling these the core. One of those is leading. And leading is simply just taking people from one place to another. Ephesians 4.12 says that the job of all of these gifts is to empower God's people to do God's work. So leading is people who are effective at actually helping people get from point A to point B. It's not about a position. It's not that they're called a leader. It's that they're actually leading. It's an action. Okay, then you've got teaching. Teaching the same way. It's, a, it's not so much something that is someone's job as if it's a gift, a spiritual gift, it works. So right this minute, I'm attempting to teach. Right this minute, I'm standing in front of you telling you some things that are true. If the Holy Spirit is actually making this work, if this is clicking, if in your heart you're getting stirred, you're going, oh man, that makes so much sense, then that's teaching. If I'm just standing here and you're just thinking, man, when is he gonna be done? I sure hope that such and such a restaurant is open. Then I'm probably not teaching. I probably don't have that gift. Does that make sense? That's how this works. Teaching is actually, you actually, people learn and understand. And then there's giving and like all of these gifts, almost all of them at least, giving is something we're all supposed to do. It's, it's, it's a team effort, it's, some, it's part. This is not just giving tithes or offerings. These people are especially gifted. They find special joy in it. Most of the time, these people, uh, sometimes they're not wealthy at all, but most of the time they have extra resources, but they don't use most of those resources on themselves. They share them. And and it's not just money either. People who have the gift of giving, they love to give gifts. They love to write little thank you cards. They love to encourage people. They're, They're constantly sharing whatever God gave them hospitality etc and and somehow as with all these gifts when they do that even if somebody else does the exact same thing them doing that has some supernatural some exponential results because it's a gifting from the holy spirit and then you've got encouragement and once again encouragement is one that we're commanded to do this is all of our job all of us are empowered on some level to do this By the Spirit. But there are other people, and you probably know some people like that. Some of you are those people. But somebody else could go, hey, good job. And you're like, hey, thanks, man. But that person says, good job. And you go, God loves me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Somebody else smiles, and you go, hey, smile back. And that person smiles, and you're like, ah, Jesus is in this room. Do, do, Do you know what I'm talking about? And that those people, they have the gift of encouragement. It's, it's something more going on than just us humans can generate on our own. Now we come to the last of these three categories. One more time, let me say it again. You can be in all three at the same time, or two or three, but I, these, these do this job like a body. These function like this. The limbs get the work done. Let's say that together. The limbs get the work done. Excellent. So the ones who actually have these gifts are the ones you actually see busy. It's not just there's a minute work sign. There's actually people working, right? (laughs) But You've seen, you know what I'm talking about. It's a sign a bunch of people say that. Anyway, faith is one of these. And I know that faith doesn't sound like an action, but it is, I guarantee you. Every time you see faith in the scriptures, it's trust-based action every single time. Okay, so the people with the gift of faith are not clenching their fists and going, oh, I believe so hard right now. You have no idea. That's not what they're doing. That's not the gift of faith. The people who have the gift of faith are the ones who say, and I don't care how scary this is. I don't have all the answers, but Jesus said, do it. Let's get it done. Those are the people with the gift of faith. Uh, The gift of healing and miracles are tied together. And again, some people believe those have ceased, but you guys have prayed for some people recently and you know better, right? The question is why sometimes, even when Jesus was physically here on this earth, why sometimes he didn't do it. Or why sometimes people who have been able to lay their hands on someone and heal them, miraculously, why it doesn't work every time. Those are where the questions are. But God's power is available. We'll come back to those later. But those are where there is instant miraculous restoration and when God moves in a supernatural way. Then you've got, again, these last two in this category are for everybody, but some people are especially gifted. Helping. Helping is sometimes called service. But helping is, again, something we all do. But you you know those people, they paint your house for you. Changes your whole life. And they have so much fun. They're not like, finally, we're done painting that person's house for crying out loud. They just love it. They live for it. Does that make sense? That's how that works. And, And the same thing with evangelizing. This is something we all have to do. Sharing the gospel, sharing the truth about Jesus, sharing our own stories is something that we all have to do. But there are some people just live for it. They see somebody they've never met before and they're like, I wonder if they know Jesus. Let's find out. Okay, and if that's you, just like all of these gifts, please do your job. The rest of us are counting on you. We're trying our best, but you're gifted for that. Go for it. God's gonna bless your efforts. Are we tracking? Is this all? Awesome, praise God. The healing and miracles thing, let me just say one more thing about that. We see that with Jesus. You don't have to put it back, I just want to say this. Uh, In the story where Jesus healed a paralytic. Do you remember that he said, um, which is harder, to say to someone, your sins are forgiven, or to say, um, get up, take your mat, and go home? And then he looks at the paralytic and he says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He looks at the paralytic and says, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he's able to do that. That's the only clue that I've ever been able to see that's consistent, is when God does do miracles, you can usually see a big result. It changes everybody's perspective around it. Does that make sense? There's there's a reason why he does it. I don't understand all the reasons. I got way more questions than answered, but that's one thing I just wanted to share. Albert Tate says, just because you're done doesn't mean God is. Let's give the next generation a story to tell. I'm going to read that out loud again because that means so much to me. Just because you're done doesn't mean God is. Let's give the next generation a story to tell. I don't know where you guys are this morning. I don't know how excited or depressed how discouraged, how how disconnected you might feel from God or your own heart, your own dreams, your own ideas about anything, your own relationships. I don't know where you are right now. You may be feeling completely done, but I guarantee you as long as you're still part of the body of Christ, there is hope for you. The only bad thing that can happen that's going to be pretty permanent for you is if you just let it go full on into division. You allow yourself to be completely cut off from God and his people and then you're going to die. And the rest of us are going to have to do whatever it takes to compensate for you being gone. And I don't want to see that happen in any of those ways. But just because you feel done doesn't mean God is. And the rest of his body compensates. Because here's how this works out. You know how to get stronger? You do stuff. Curls... Strengthen your biceps. These right here. This movement is done by this, okay, but is that the only muscle working at this point? Every part of my body has to do this. I've got to focus. I've got to breathe. My heart starts beating a little harder. My lungs build a little bit deeper. Everything's bracing. Everything's supporting, okay? But for this to get stronger, this has to do its job and the rest of the body has to encourage that and build that up. And what happens is the more that we start working together, the more movements that we do that use the entire body, the more things we do that allow us to get stronger, that strengthens specific parts of our body, the more the whole body gets used to, oh, this is how we do this. This is what this looks like. And the more we do it the stronger we get and the more effective we get. And when this muscle is trying to do something, the whole rest of the body goes, "Oh yeah, we got this." Well, they kick right in. This is how we get better. As we do it, we act, we get stuff done. James says this and I'd like you to read it out loud with me. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. So this morning, if you look on this same little thing you've been checking little boxes on, at the bottom it has two things, and I want you to try these, both of these, this week. First one is this. Lord, I will encourage others by. I want you to figure it out. If any of that sounds like you, try it out. Try it out. No matter how scary that might seem for you right now, but you go, I think that's me. I think maybe that's me. Try and encourage somebody that way. And just see what happens. Worst thing that can happen is you find out you did it in your own strength. You might find out you did it in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to change your life. Okay. Second one is, Lord, I will build others up. Bye. Put something specific. Try one of these. Just see what happens. Try and build somebody else up. Again, worst thing that can happen is you're going to figure out you did it on your own strength. But you might figure out the Holy Spirit empowered you to do that. It did more than you ever could have dreamed in ways you never could have dreamed. And you just figured out part of what part, one of the parts you play in God's body. But all of us in one way or another are called to encourage one another and to build each other up. And I'm daring you to do that. Also, in the bulletin insert, one more time, are all these surveys and scriptures. And I'd love for you to do this, even about personalities and stuff. My dream, my prayer, and I believe it's God's as well. Is that all of us figure out who we are in Christ and we start living that out more than ever before. We're more intentional and more accurate, more effective. I hope that you'll join me in this and I thank you for it because I know a bunch of you already are. Well, let me tell you something. I can't think of anything that would encourage and build us up in this room more than somebody giving their life to Jesus for the first time today. So if that's on your heart, please do that. Let's get started on this project with that. It also really builds us up and encourages us when people officially join the church. We don't require that here, but man, that's pretty encouraging when you do. But what I'm asking you is as we stand and as we sing, would you take the first step, whatever that means to you, toward whatever you just wrote down? Whatever you feel like God is saying, yeah, that's the part of the body that I designed you to be. Take the first step in your own heart, maybe literally in this room, toward that. That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.